Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Luke chapter number 4, my reading's a little lengthy this morning, you bear with me, it's 1 through 13, and this is... uh, this is, this is a familiar scripture, but I, you know, I've not really preached on this a lot. Uh, and, and it is, it is uh, I, I call this this morning, walking in the wilderness. Uh, walking in the wilderness. And we see our example of that in the Lord Jesus. And verse number one of Luke 4, if you found it, shout amen. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's big words right there. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written, there's the defense, that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed him, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee And the glory of them. For that, watch these words. For that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Father, I thank you, Lord. For this day, this time, this place, these people. I thank you for allowing Mike McCoy to stand behind this sacred desk once again, God. And I am unworthy to stand here. I am accepted only in the beloved. And I bless his name. And I can't do a thing today without you. But I can do all things through you. So Lord, do in this place what's pleasing to you. My prayer is that I exalt my Savior, Jesus, the the Christ. So fill my mouth and guard my tongue. Preach me, God, inside the bounds of the Holy Writ. 
touch this congregation with ears to hear and all those that might view this today or hear it at another time. That the Spirit of God would do what He does. And God, we would respond accordingly. If there be a lost one, save them today, God, before they die and go to hell. And God, bless your word and the preaching thereof. In my King Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Now, you're going to find this account in, in Matthew, Mark, and here in Luke. You won't find it in John because the devil couldn't tempt God. And in John, he's typified as God. But in Matthew, he's the king. Typified as the king, you can tempt the king. And in Mark, he's typified as the servant. You might tempt a servant. And in Luke, as we're studying, he's the perfect man. And you might tempt a man, but you can't tempt God. God is not tempted of evil, neither he tempteth any man. He doesn't tempt men with evil. We have here, and God gave me a thought on this as I was uh, looking at this particular passage in Luke. Luke gives more detail in most accounts than the other writers. He's a little more uh, detailed in his description and adds a little more information often than the other writers. But here in Luke, we have this, and, or I mean in, in, in Luke we have this, but here was the thought that God gave me. And this probably isn't original, but it's the first time I ever thought about it. We will never know his wonder until we've walked in the wilderness. We'll never know the wonder of God until we've walked in the wilderness. The wilderness experience is beneficial to us as people of God. Now, we're not going to volunteer for that. Most of us would say, I would rather not be in the wilderness. But if we notice, if we take the example from Scripture... We're going to see that the children of Israel, when they were brought out of Egypt, which is a picture of salvation, as soon as they came out of Egypt from bondage, which is a picture of being under sin, the first place they came to was the wilderness. Now, I know that many, when they first get saved, they're ready to attack hell with a squirt gun. I mean, that there's nothing can get them down. They're walking in the clouds. Everybody's going to be saved. But it's not going to be long until you find yourself in a wilderness experience. God does that for purpose. Warren Wiersbe said, faith that hasn't been tested is faith that can't be trusted. So we're going to, God has to try us or prove us that our faith is in Christ and not in ourselves. If faith is in ourselves, here's what will happen. We'll fold like a house of cards the first time something comes against us. I did not say the first time we failed. I'm saying with faith in Christ, will we be perfect? No. Are we to be perfect as in maturity? Yes. Are we to grow in grace and knowledge? Yes. Are we to be perfect in that respect? Yes. But you know what? In our perfection... You know what happens? Failure. I, I, I just caught a couple of things in this today that I pray will be a help to you. 
Now, more expository today than in a, than in a topical message that I normally preach. And uh, so, in verse number one, we see that Christ is full of the Holy Ghost. That's, that says it's not given in measure, it's given in full. Jesus has just come from being baptized. As a matter of fact, Mark said he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he had just been come from being baptized. And here's what the Lord said from heaven when he come up out of the water. This is my beloved son in who I am well A+. Plus. So we know that he has just come from being baptized. The Spirit of God descended on him in the form of a dove. He feel, He sees that. He's identified as the Son of God because of that. And now he's in the wilderness. And he's about to endure something that you and I, I don't think there's a 40-day faster in this building. So he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, this is going to prove the first Adam failed, but the last Adam is going to succeed. The first Adam was in a garden. The last Adam is in a wilderness. Do you, see, do you see how good it was for the first Adam? And yet in his flesh he failed. The tempter, the ability of the tempter to speak subtly to you. In still small words. And lure us and draw us. And the mind is the battlefield, you understand that. So here he is. But Romans 8.14 says this. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the same Spirit that led Christ into the wilderness will lead us through the wilderness. Will we have a wilderness experience? You better know, eventually, you've already been in one. I can look around. This is somewhat of a wilderness experience because the house isn't full today. And I'm going to tell you, you won't believe this, but, but another pastor will, will, will confirm it for me. When you suffer, we suffer. And when you suffer, we should bear one another's burdens. We should suffer together. I don't want anyone out of church. I want everyone in church. So it kind of feels like a little wilderness experience. Why? Because there's some, Tony wanted to be at camp meeting. Couldn't make it. Well, he could have come and, you know, and shared the love. Some done that, obviously. But if we're led by the Spirit, it, 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 it proves us as sons of God if we're led by the Spirit. And it, it'll also do this. It'll be within the Word of God and we'll esteem others better than ourselves. How about that? Not only was he led by the Spirit, but, but we find right here, he's 40 days. He's 40 days. And here's what, he's, he's led by the Spirit, but in Hebrews 5 and 8, it said he 
speaking of Jesus, and you wouldn't think you could teach Jesus anything, but he said he learned by suffering. Referring to Christ, that Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered. So he learned by suffering. You know what we do? Preacher, I've done everything I know to do. I pray, I read my Bible, I treat others the way I think the Lord would have me treat them. I love people. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I'm quick to say I'm sorry. I do all these things, and yet, here I am. Yeah. Teaching obedience. How does he do that? Through suffering. And I'm telling you, to obey is better than to sacrifice. He's teaching obedience by suffering. I don't like to suffer. Show me somebody that does. Who likes to suffer? I don't know anybody unless they're a sadist or, or they got some kind of mental issue that they want to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. We want to feel good all the time. We don't have an ache or pain. We want to feel. At 61, I'd like to feel like I did at 40. I have come to realize that 40 is far behind me. And I'll have to learn to live with 61. Nobody wants to. But he learned by suffering. Now that says something to me here. He's going to teach us something through this. He's 40 days fasted. Now, Dr. Bullinger, if you don't have this book, you, I don't know if you can find it now or not. Someone gave me this years ago, and it's, it's Numbers in the Bible by Dr. Bullinger. And I had never seen this before. But 40, 40 according to Dr. Bullinger, well, according to math. I don't know if this is included in the new math or not. But in old math, 5 times 8 is, is that still true in modern day math? Uh, I asked some of the young people because uh, I, I don't understand how they get the answers they get with some of that stuff. I don't either, Jim. But we find 40 oftentimes in the Bible. 40 is, is this. Now, we would think that 40, 40 must be a number for judgment here, but no, 40, according to Dr. Bullinger, 40 is 5 times 8. That speaks to this. I never got this. He said, when you take five, you know it's the number of grace. And when you take eight, you know it's the number of new beginnings. So, so with the number five, it is grace that brings us into this thing. But on eight says this, we're coming out of the other side. We're not living in the wilderness. We're just walking in the wilderness. Uh, we're not staying in the wilderness. One of these days, no matter the wilderness you're in, you're leaving the wilderness. Now, they, you may leave it when you park this body and step out of it, but for sure, Brother Dennis, one of these days, we're leaving this wilderness. So here we have him, 40 days in that. We see it often. Elijah, 40 days. Went on that meet, 40 days. 
It rained 40 days and 40 nights. Was that probationary? Yes, because grace was, was the ark that Noah was in. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So it was a trial. It was probationary, but it's a trial that number 40, over and over through the Word of God. Moses is on the mount 40 days. Jesus is seen to the disciples 40 days after the resurrection. Over and over, it's probationary, and, it's tri- and it's, it, it speaks to trial. But here, then, in verse number 2, he's lectured by Satan. Now, the Bible says tempted, but he done it with words. I don't know what form Satan showed up in right here. He was in the form of a serpent in the garden according to Scripture. I don't know if he showed up as a well-polished man carrying a canteen of water. I don't know. I don't know if he, if, if he, I don't know how he showed up. The Bible isn't clear on that. We just know what he said. We don't know what he looked like. I'm telling you what Satan looks like most of the time. Something real good. This is, this is fairy tales and imagination that he's got a pitchfork and a long red tail and horns on his head. That's, not, that's, that's his personality, but that's not what he looks like. He'll be the slickest, cleanest, most polished thing you ever seen, and it'll catch your eye like a shiny new pin. He's lectured, and here's what he does. Here's what Satan does. Get this. Now, where we, where are we here with Jesus? Wilderness. He's in the wilderness. Now, when we were there, uh, Brother Grover and I, and, and, and Sister Mary's been there a couple times. When we were there, they take you down near Jericho, and you're going past this place, and they say they could, tradition teaches that is the place. Of his wilderness experience. And it might be. It's near the baptism. It's not too far from where he was baptized. He was driven into that according to Mark. So that could be. But it is very barren. There's nothing there but rocks and caves and and sand. So when he gets you in that place. When you're in that place. And don't get too pious today. I'll get my Jim McComas halo searcher out here and I'll see how many I find out today and I don't see any. Let's, let's don't get too spiritual and come to this conclusion. I'm never in that place. Some of you are sitting here in the sanctuary in it today. Now, and oftentimes we are led into that by the Spirit of God. And here's what the devil says. When you get in that place, he questions. He questions. You know what he questioned with Jesus right here? Let's look at it in three verses real quick. Let's let's look at in verse number three. And you know what he said? Can you see my page? If, If thou be the Son of God. You know what the number one question that he had for him is this, who he was. Questioned who he was. Are you him? 
Are you him? He knew who he was. Jesus says in Luke 10, he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. There was no doubt Satan knew this was the only begotten son of God. There's no doubt that he knew what he does, but he questioned who he was. You know what he does for us? What does he do, Brother Junior? He questions who we are. In that dry time, in the, well, bless his name. In that place where you would rather not be, when the church was full and now it's half empty, when, 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 You've prayed and prayed for somebody that's sick and they've not got better. When you've got dried out and you don't understand, I mean, listen, Chris preached it the other night. We come through hallelujah land just like the children of Israel come through all the miracles and bang, they run into the wilderness. Hey, hey, does that happen? You better know it happens. And then the devil says, who are you? Why is this happening to you? Are you a son of God? And then them sweet words of scripture come. That says this. The spirit beareth witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. <laughs> so in that dry place. when they, Listen. It may be without water. You've not had a drink in a few days. And you're wondering why you're where you are. All of a sudden just remember this. By the ever living word of God. That the spirit says. You may be dry. You may be down. You may be having trouble. But you better know this. Bless God. That I'm revealing unto you. That you are a son of God. You're not just any old thing. You belong to the Lord. And Jesus responds with scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word of God. Why is he telling us that? Why is he telling us that? Picture the children of Israel with nothing to eat. And they wake up and manna is laying all around them. And he fed them every day. It takes the Spirit of God to take the Word which is the bread... The living bread, praise God, the living word, and sustain our souls. At your very best, you're in a temporary position or condition right now. Amen. God never heals anyone permanently in this life. He can't. Oh, hold on, preacher. God can do anything. No. Or he can do anything. Nothing's impossible with God. But he can't go against his word. He can't do it. And you know what he said? It's appointed unto man. And after this, the judgment. So it's appointed once. 
So he may heal you temporarily, but that's going to be the last time he heals you one of these times. Remember who we are. He questioned Jesus, who he was. Who are you? If thou be the Son of God. Make that rock a loaf of bread. Oh, he could have done it. But he didn't do it. That's big right there. The devil had hit him with a physical need. People do things they never thought they'd do when they got hungry. People get hungry enough, they'll do things they never dreamed they'd do. And I don't think it'd take 40 days. I'm telling you. Fasting from sunup to sundown, sometimes pretty hard. And a piece of just plain bread tastes good at dark. Can you imagine 40 days of it? But watch this. It doesn't say he was hungry till after the 40 days. That's when he hungered. Because there, there was a supernatural power that sustained him through those days. Verse number 6. So in verse number 3, we see the devil. Here's what he questioned who he was. In verse number 6, here's what we see. Let's, let's, let's look at verse number 6 when he says, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. I tell you what people like. They like it when they're recognized. People like to be recognized. And they say they don't. But they lie. Because even the most backward introvert may not want to be pointed out in a crowd. But when it's one on one and you go by and you tell them what a good job they've done. Or recognize them and put a smile on their face. The devil said, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me. I want us to understand something here. It had to be by permission of God that the devil's able to do this. But don't you think for a minute that he, Jesus called him the prince. Paul said he's the God. Of this world. He, both pieces of scripture are true. He's the prince and the power of the air. People blame the storms on God. I say he didn't send the storm. The one that come to steal, kill, and destroy sends the hurricane. God just permits it to happen. But he does a whole lot of saving through those things. Are you still with me? Let me finish that verse. For that's delivered unto me, and to whomsoever will, I will, I give it. First he questioned who he was. Next he questioned what he wanted. Do you want this? Look at this. I'll give this to you. You can have it all. What he didn't understand, he is speaking to the one that made it. Well, maybe he did understand it. 
but he was trying to tempt him to take what already belonged to him. There's some things that already belong to us that we don't need to let him talk us out of having. Listen, we don't have to do it to please the devil. We don't have to chase his crowd or be with him. No, there's some things that belong to us. All the earth is his and the fullness thereof. Praise God. He, look, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. When we get in tune with him, he tunes us up. Amen. He puts us where we need to be. The things is this. You know what he wants? You know what he wanted right here? He didn't want the things of the world. He wanted the will of the Father. That meant more to him than anything else. Do the will of the Father. And God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. What do you want? The devil's good at getting presenting things to us and convincing us that we're not content where we are. I read where Paul wrote, godliness with contentment is great gain. He's asking him what he wanted. I'm going somewhere here in just a moment. Jesus already had what he wanted. He was full of the Spirit. He was in the wilderness. And he's doing the will of the Father. That's all he wanted to do. He was content with doing the will of the Father. God's will. Here's the, here's the will of God. A priority. And the will of God is that none should perish. Well, God would that everybody was saved. God would have everyone saved. He don't want anyone lost and die and go to hell. But unless you've been born again, I'm telling you, friend, according to that book, you can't make it to heaven unless you've been born again. But his, he, 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 the will for Randy, even though he's an associate pastor and the will for me, and the will for Dennis and the will for Marcus. We, get, we have different vineyards. So let me get that word. Vineyards. And that is God's will for them. That person in that vineyard. I want everyone that comes to this church to know. This is the vineyard God wants you in. And if it is not. This is a bold statement. If this is, if this is not the vineyard that you're sure God wants you in. You need to find your vineyard. You need to find your vineyard. Because unless you do, the devil can tempt you all the time with this. I'll give you something else. If you're so fair, it'd be better. You sure that's what you want? Is that enough? Is that enough? Don't you want more? To Jesus. To Jesus. I got the power. And to whoever I will, I give it. The devils give some people some things they wish they hadn't never took. They'd like to give that thing back, but they took it, and now they're stuck with it. 
And now look what's happened. I'm trying to hurry. I want to jump down to verse. I want to jump down to verse 9 and I'm going to read. I'm going to read a few verses here. And he brought him to Jerusalem. Remember, he questioned who he was and what he wanted. Now watch this. Watch this. And he brought him to Jerusalem, set him up on the pinnacle of a temple. There's a lot of discussion. You read after scholars. There's a lot of discussion if he literally took him to these places. I'm convinced that he did. Now, if you're not and you think he just, he just showed him in his mind, I won't argue with you. But I think there's supernatural things taking place here that we're incapable of comprehending. I think he showed him, he made a, gave him the first, the first video or, and flashed the kingdoms of the world before his eyes. I don't know. It could have been the first outdoor theater. He showed it on a rock. I don't know. I know that he, that he visualized the kingdoms of the world. Now, he saw the rock, he saw the kingdoms, and now he's at the pinnacle of the temple. This is one out of order from the way it is in Matthew. I'm not going to get into all of that this morning. But for it is written, he'll give his angels charge over thee, verse number 10, to keep thee. First, it's a physical attack. And then he attacks his mind. It's psychological. But now, when the physical attack didn't work and the psychological attack didn't work, when he, when he gave him the word of God in defense, Jesus gave the word of God, and when he done that, now, now he attacks the word. He's going to take the word of God and spiritually attack him. Say, well, I've read that in, in Psalm 91. That's what it says. No, he left part of it out. And it is this. To keep thee in all thy ways. It's when our ways match his ways that the keeping takes place. He wants to leave that part out in all thy ways. To keep thee in all thy ways. Lest. And their hands. They shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said unto him. It is said thou shalt not tempt. The Lord thy God. You know what the devil's trying to get him to do right here. He's trying to get him to kill himself. As a man. If he cast himself off the pinnacle of the temple, the height is so great that you wouldn't survive it. In the natural realm, you wouldn't survive. He knows why he came. But he didn't know the outcome of what it was going to do. He's trying to get him. If you're really him, you jump off this temple mount right here, down to the, there, and see if the angels carry you if you're really him see what just see what happens are you him first he questioned who he was then he questioned what he wanted you know what he questions I think right here 
Why he waited. The Old Testament's clear that he came to die for us. Very clear. You think the devil don't know the scriptures? He's quoting Psalm 91 right here, but he quotes it to his benefit. He leaves out to try to make it fit what he wants accomplished. Now, I'm going to lose some video watchers right here because I'm... Do you know why I'm so pro, so pro King James Version Bible? And I know that it is a translation. And I know you don't hold the 1611 right there. It's the 1743 somewhere in there. 1769? Okay. In the 1700s, I'm accurate saying that. That is a 1700 translation right there. And there are words in there that's italicized and that makes it read proper in the English language. And people say, well, that's just a translation. Well, I agree it is. I wish I was a Greek and a Hebrew scholar. I'd get me one of them Bibles and read you the original. But for us ignorant hillbillies, he gave us a 1769 version on a seventh grade reading level and said, this is for you. And I'm like Jethro Bodine. I graduated the seventh grade. So I can read that book right there. Now the spirit takes the spirit, as Brother Brent said in Sunday school this morning, it takes the spirit to guide us in all truth. And we need to rightly divide the word of truth. We can't rightly divide without the spirit of God. But you get, you get eight different versions in a room. And everybody trying to read out of it. And you can't understand nothing. And I read, for God's not the author of what? A plus. So he takes the word. He just leaves part out or adds something to it. God said you do that. In Revelation, God said you add to or take away. I'll take your part out of the book of life. That's strong language. That's strong language. Why'd you wait? Question why he didn't die then. You know why? Because his hour hadn't come. His hour hadn't come. Here's what I got sitting at the table. You know why he waited, Randy? He waited for me. He could have jumped off that temple, hit the ground, got back up, run around it, jumped back up on top of the pinnacle. He could have took a flight into the stars, but it wasn't his time yet. You know when his time was? Hey, he had an appointed time and place. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew why he was going. He was going there. Oh, John had said it. He's the Lamb of God. Praise the Lord. Hey, that's going to take away the sin of the world. There's a set time. There's a place. Listen, why are you waiting? Well, if you're God, do it now. Wasn't time for him to do it. 
He was going to have to do it according to the will of the Father. He's going to have to lay down his life freely and take it up again. Bless God, he's going to have to shed his blood. Because when he died, when they put him on the cross at 9 o'clock that morning, they killed a lamb in Jerusalem. And when they took him off the cross at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they was killing a lamb. Listen, that should have been the last lambs ever killed because the lamb of God had just died for the sin of the world. I've never been in that wilderness. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Come to the piano, Brenda. Marcus, you can be getting soft. Who he was? Physical. You know what First John said about it? John didn't write about it in the gospel. But he touched on it in his letters to the church. He said this. He gave three things that showed the love of the world. First was the lust of the flesh. You know what the flesh wanted? A piece of bread. Then it was the lust of the eyes. You, what you're looking at, I'll give it to you. Then thirdly, it was the pride of life. If you're God, do it now. Not going to do it now. Don't you tempt God. Don't tempt him. He's going to do it when he's supposed to and not a minute before. And when he does it, it's going to get the job done. Our wilderness experiences when we come out on the other side, you know what it does? It accomplishes that which is pleasing unto the Father. Let's stand, Marcus, lead us in a verse. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.